1: My friends, I'm delighted to welcome someone who has dominated the health and wellness space in pretty much every single realm of media, apps, podcasting, streaming television, print publishing and social media, and who has a collective community of over 100 million people. I'm sure that from the actual uh, title of this conversation, before you clicked on it, you would already know who I'm talking about, but if you don't know who this person is, then you definitely need to get to know her, and I'm I'm grateful that she is on the show today so that you get to know more about her. Her name is Jillian Michaels, and she is committed to helping people be the best versions of themselves and live their happiest and healthiest lives. Jillian created the Fitness app, which is the top-rated diet and exercise app for women, having won Best of Awards from both Google Google. And Apple. Julian is also an Emmy-nominated television talent, having starred in multiple hit TV shows and regularly c- contributes to E News, Access Live with Kelly and Ryan, Wendy Williams, and so much more. She—you don't want to mess with this lady because she is a. Uh, she trained for 12 years in martial arts practice of Muay Thai and Aikido in which she holds a black belt and holds four personal training certificates from the leading certification programs in the United States and Canada, believe it or not. She has a huge bio and her work is just absolutely outstanding. But one of the things that I really, really loved about my conversation with Jillian was when she showed up, she showed up early, by the way, and which I love, she was being a mom. And People know that if you are listening to this, if you are a parent, you know that sometimes the kids aren't always well behaved. But you know something, I appreciated the fact that Jillian was real, authentic, which really did come out during our conversation, which just made it even so much more better, I think, for you guys to see that Jillian, although having a community of 100 million people strong, she is extremely well recognized and famous in a massive industry, pretty much, that she would take the time to still focus on the things that are really, really important to her. So, my friends, if you do get something from this conversation, then please share it around to all your friends and family. Don't forget before you go to make sure to subscribe and leave a rating and review over on Apple Podcasts. Really do appreciate you guys for doing that. All right, my friends. This episode is also brought to you by the incredible Mary Ruth of Mary Ruth Organics. You can get 15% off all of Mary Ruth Organics products when you go to MaryRuthOrganics.com and at the checkout, use discount code J15, that is J15, uh, for 15% off your order. All right, my friends, you know what time it is. It is time to journey with me into this story box as we listen to the incredible wisdom, the advice, and the stories of none other and Gillian Michaels.
0: Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to be
1: on. It's so great to have you here. I mean, your bio is is a lot longer than what I just mentioned in the intro a moment ago. Could have gone on. So you, you know, you've done so many incredible things in your life, and you're still doing incredible things. I mean, my very first question for you before we dive into your backstory why you do all this and how you actually have the energy to keep going is what does success look like for you?
0: Gosh, you know, it changes with every, I want to say decade, right? In your twenties, it's like health in your twenties. You just want to look good in your jeans or what you perceive to be looking good in your jeans In your thirties. It might be healthy enough to have a healthy pregnancy. You look great in your wedding dress in your forties, it's like, oh, I want to be a role model for my kids and I want to, you know, live disease-free for decades to come. It changes. Success, I think, for me now, honestly, is enjoying what I do. In my 20s, it was very much about achieving things. You know, I wanted this accolade and that accolade and this accolade. And, you know, in my 30s, It was about growing, building, taking on more. And then in my 40s, it's about, okay, I want to pare it down. I want to simplify. And I want to have a better quality of life. So I know that's not necessarily the answer, but really, you know, you achieve a bunch of things and it's not quite as exciting as you thought it would be, which is weird. But then there are all the things you didn't achieve. Mm. So then you have to kind of say to yourself, well, what does that mean? And there's a lot, a lot that I didn't achieve. And you realize at the end of the day, it isn't necessarily about the things that are quantifiable like that. It's not about the benchmarks. It's about a feeling. Mm. And if you love what you do and you can make a living that way, I think that's winning.
1: Mm. Why do you think success has changed for you so much over the course of your life?
0: You know, we change as we age, obviously, and different experiences have different impacts on us. Um, And I think sometimes, right, you you get to this place that you thought would mean something, and you get there and it it doesn't mean that much. It's kind of the way people tell you, oh, it's all about the journey, right? And it is. Mm -hmm. So when you finally get to that end goal, it's almost anticlimactic in a way. And then when you don't reach the end goal, you realize that you're still great. And, and like and you kind of have to allow yourself to be great. You have to go, you know what, I did a lot. I've done a lot. And just the fact that I'm doing what I love to do is like I said, winning. But it took me a while with the things I didn't achieve. And I had to look at, I'll never forget, I got to sit next to Kobe Bryant once at a charity event and I was super intimidated. So I was acting just, you know, like like a weirdo and they didn't say anything. <laughs> and because he's was so hugely famous and successful, he looks at me and he goes, I'm super scared of you. And broke the ice and ended up being the sweetest, most lovely guy. Um, and I got a chance to talk to him and I was like, what does it feel like to be the absolute best in the world? Like, what is that feeling? And he goes, it's not about right now for me. It's about competing against every player that ever existed, being the greatest of all time. And he didn't quite make it right. He didn't get more rings than Jordan. Um, and you look at Serena, right? I look at someone like Serena. And she's got one more grand slam to go to get the record and hasn't gotten it. And she may not get it, but you know, being Serena or being Kobe, that's their thing. They want that, that number, the best they want to hit it. And if people that great don't always get what they want, when I don't always get what I want, you still have to say to yourself, well, Kobe's still Kobe. And Serena is still Serena and Jillian is still Jillian. So when you win and, and it doesn't mean what you thought it would, and when you lose, it doesn't mean what you thought it would. Over time, it sort of brings you back to the center, which is really where we should all live. But it takes time to wise up enough to get there.
1: Yeah, yeah. If growing up, I thought success would be this big, becoming this famous filmmaker like my idol, Steven Spielberg. And uh, then life sort of changed for me, and I know I'm still really young. And but now success for me is just being able to help as many people as I possibly can, like make them realize that they are worth something in society and that their story really does matter. Um, So I loved I loved your your explanation of that. I think it it aligns perfectly with how I've experienced as well. And I know that I'm still going on, on this journey and I'm excited to see, I guess, what's next. But do you know what's next for you or? Have you thought about what's next?
0: Well, I'd love to comment on the Steven Spielberg thing. Um, Only because I don't even know that there will be a Steven Spielberg anymore. Mm. Just like there'll never be an Oprah. And the reason for that is people don't really like movies that much anymore. And you can be pissed and disgusted. The world has changed so much. I don't know anybody that saw House of Gucci. Mm. Nobody. Nobody saw it. Nobody saw the movie. That had to have been... One of the, I, I have yet to see it. I plan on seeing it when it comes, but nobody, kids don't care. They're on TikTok, they're on YouTube. Day of the movie star is over. And the day that the movie star is over, I think, is the day that me. So if that medium is not the same, people don't appreciate film in the same way, you don't have the same metrics, there's no blockbusters like the way there used to be. You could make that movie, but kids are on TikTok or they're on YouTube. So, you know, just like Oprah, when Oprah was on TV, you can say, I want to be the next Oprah, but Oprah, yes, she's an outlier. She's an incredible talent. She's one of a kind. However, even if you were that talented, she was on television and there were three other shows on. Mm. That's it. Now you have access to every piece of content that has ever existed in the history of TV Mm. and the internet. So you're not up against three things, you're up against hundreds of millions. So this is where I would say, what is it about Spielberg that you loved, right? What is it that he did that you want to do? He moved people. Mm. He entertained people. He educated people. And you take those things that you love and you build them into a medium that is currently relevant and you make that your metric. And that sounds like exactly what you're doing.
1: Oh, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think I've ever really... Thought of it that way before, to be honest with you. But it makes sense. Like, it really does.
0: <laughs> the world is so different, sweetheart. We can't hold ourselves to those standards anymore. It doesn't exist. No. There is no daytime TV is dead. It yeah. just is. People ask me, they're like, are you gonna do TV? I'm like, why? Mm. Well, you know, TV. I'm like, that doesn't mean anything anymore for non-scripted. Television, like scripted drama, yes, that's going hard. Pandemic pushed it even harder. But you know, for me, what are you going to do? A weight loss show, like a show about helping people. No one's going to watch it. It's going to get two, three, four, five hundred thousand views a week, and take you nine months to make. You can spend fifteen seconds making a reel on Instagram and get a million views. Mm. Fifteen seconds. I can show you what I do with my fiance. Million views. Literally, could you not? So this is where it's not even worth it to, to pursue these mediums anymore because it's it's the entire world has just changed overnight. So the question is, what were you hoping to do in TV? Can you capture and F eyeballs and other mediums or in a different way to still accomplish what it is you wanted to accomplish? And I think it sounds to me like you're doing that.
1: Thank you. I really, really do appreciate you saying that <laughs> Are you ever worried that you sort of be forgotten in a way, like because of the changing climate and world that we are living in, because you've already done TV. I mean, you're a hit on social yeah. media, but you ever worried that people will just sort of go to someone else?
0: Not really, because people always go to someone else. Yeah. I mean, there's Drake. There's Travis Scott, Mm -hmm. there's, you know, like it just keeps going. There's Nicki Minaj, there's Meg Thee Stallion, there's Cardi B, there's, you know, it just keeps going. I don't, oh my God, I'm so sorry. For some reason, my brother is FaceTiming me and it just went to (laughs) (laughs) decline, decline. I've never had that happen. Oh no! Hold on a minute. Are you this is still the there?
1: Experience of the story box, people.
0: Oh my gosh! I'm so sorry. I'm like, what? Any- anything can happened?
1: happen. <laughs> <laughs> it's part of part of the experience. <laughs> oh my god! Oh my god!
0: Did that just happened. Um, I'm so sorry. I should have figured out how to block that. I've never had that. I don't know why it went here instead of here. Uh, and now that oh, forgotten. Um, so no, I don't. You know, I don't. Uh, I don't think of it like that. Um, But in addition, I don't really care. And in fact, you know, when you spend some time as a public figure, you start to wish you'd made your money in other ways. And anonymity would be welcome. But That which nourishes me also destroys me, right? Being a public figure has allowed me to build a very big platform that I can monetize, doing what I love. But there are days that I look at my friends who are lawyers or they're in marketing or they're in finance and they don't deal with random, complete nonsense. And and you just think, yeah, "Yeah, it's... Uh, you know, so more and more, I have worked to invest in other companies that are not named after me, <laughs> and that is really what I would like to do more of in the future. Um, like I said, I love what I do, but I would have zero issue tomorrow being forgotten if i could pay my bills which i mean i can't but continue to live a nice lifestyle um which arguably i could so you know what i mean like it it becomes a blessing and a curse and you kind of wish that you could not have be living in fear that people are gonna record you or go after you or it's it's annoying it's definitely annoying it's not it's definitely not all it's cracked up to
1: be <laughs> I've, spoken, sure. I've spoken to a lot of famous people and they they share the same thing you just did it's not all it's cracked tiring. Up to be. yeah no, uh-uh. I, can, I can imagine and, and so i've said i don't want to be famous <laughs> no. just nah sorry but for you Jillian how did you become Jillian Michaels that we know today, like what's been the, the career. Did you always want to do this? Did you always see yourself being this famous? No, no, (laughs) um, no. So
0: I was the kid that really wasn't good at anything. Like legit, not good at anything. No actual talents, no crazy passions. Um, overweight, kind of troubled, gay, didn't know it, mm-hmm. which other kids knew it. So, you know, they pick up on it and it was not 2022, yeah. whatever the hell year, what even year oh, wow. when? So, <laughs> <laughs> um, so I uh, ended up falling into martial arts at 13. And over time, really fell in love with it because it built my confidence, my self-worth, my self-esteem. And over time, I ended up getting healthier. But it took a long time. Um, wasn't until I was about 17 and training for my black belt that I appreciated how transcendent fitness actually is. Mm. I don't have a passion for fitness. I have a passion for what fitness affords towards me. It makes me feel stronger, more empowered, more resilient, more confident, more capable. So I'm training for my black belt at 17, and people come up to me in the gym and ask me, you know, how much I charged. And for a minute, I was like, for what? <laughs> for what? <laughs> Obviously, to, to be a trainer, I, I found out quickly, thank God, that's what they meant. And I was like, God, I wonder how much money I can make doing this. Cause I think I was delivering pizza for about five bucks an hour. Cause it wasn't by the way, Uber tips of $20 at the time. So my mom had the foresight to help me get my first training certification. And I did it to make money and I took it all for granted, literally. And I started bartending at night illegally with a fake ID. And I was bartending at night, training during the day, making great money. Happy as a clan, didn't think anything of it. And then at 24, I started dating somebody who worked in the entertainment industry and it went to like an Ivy league school and how, you know, how long do you think you're going to be a trainer?
1: Mm.
0: And I was like, Oh, I can't do this forever. And I immediately started to question, how am I going to make a living when I'm 30, 35, 40, 45, I better get a real job. Huge mistake, by the way, the more security you seek in life, the less you'll have. But the more you pursue your passion, the more the universe conspires on your behalf, literally. Yeah. So I end up getting this job in the entertainment industry as uh, an assistant in a training program at a talent agency, working my way from 24 to 27 to a junior agent. Long story short, I end up getting fired because I get caught in this kind of political shit show between these two big agents. And now I'm 27 with no job fired. No one's gonna hire me because I wasn't established enough, and it's like you'll never you know eat lunch in this town again. Kind of cliche, but it's very real. Yeah. So I don't know what to do with myself. I have bills to pay, and I start working at a sports medicine facility, putting like ice packs on people, and um, then I end up becoming a physical therapy assistant. So an aide, I can't even remember. There's an aid and assistant. One of them needs a degree. One of them just has to be under direct supervision of the therapist. So I started learning how to rehabilitate patients because I would know the injury. And then they're like, Oh, well, you need to do these stretches, these exercises, and you keep your little chart and you take everything off. And I ended up waking up happy again for the first time in three, four years. And by the way, the least amount of money I ever made was from 24 to 27 the most miserable I've ever been was 24 to 27 <laughs> so I fall back into this job and I get a call from a client who felt her hip bone for the first time in eight years because she lost so much weight and had rehab an injury and I was like all right I love this job I wake up happy how am I going to make a career out of this so I thought well I'll open up my own sports medicine facility." So I had uh, several fantastic clients who acted as angel investors. I literally sold everything I owned, maxed out every credit card, but that was nowhere near enough. So I took loans from clients, three in fact, paid them off in the interim while I built the business and training, free training, and then gave them their money and interest when I made it back. So by the time I was 30, I had my own sports medicine facility. So I had physical therapists and physiatrists and massage therapists and chiropractors working for me, but I worked under them with other trainers, of course. So they would diagnose and treat, but it was my practice. So I end up doing that and I'm thinking to myself, okay, I'm looking at the landscape I'm like, all right, I have a nice little business for myself, but how do I make this into something bigger? And at that time, Franchise fitness was looking like a company called Curbs. You've probably never heard of this, but it was where women would go and they would do this little group circuit. So it became a very big business. And I thought, how can I build that out of my little gym? Um, And I started looking at other fitness professionals that were very well-known. So they were getting well-known in tabloids with celebrity clients. So I thought, okay, I need celebrity clients. I'm going to build a name for myself this way. And then I'm going to grow my little gym. And then I'm going to franchise my gym out. One of the people I worked with at that talent agency was a client at my gym. And he was like, you know, there's a TV show on NBC, which is this network here in America. And it's called The Biggest Loser. And I was like, ugh, (laughs) no. I hated reality TV. I hated the name of the show. And at that time, there was a lot of really crappy shows out as well called like The Swan, Mm -hmm. where they would just really see to kind of humiliate people. And I was like, I'm not going to do that. No, that's not not my path. So I got convinced to go in on the show, end up going in on it, end up getting it. And um, the rest really is history. But that's when I began to, I want to say, accept... That I was now the brand. Mm. It wasn't my gym, it was me. And I looked at other people that had become brands, whether it was a Susie Orman or a Martha Stewart or a Rachel Ray or an Oprah Winfrey or a, even a Barbara Walters. Mm. And I studied their trajectory and how they built their businesses. And at the time, it was still relevant. Um, Most of it was, and I, uh, you know, hired a business partner, built built a company, studied branding, and so from there, the rest really became history.
1: There is a lot there. Yeah, I know. Sorry, I love love long stories. Believe believe you me, like I'd much rather listen. Then do the talking. (laughs) So sorry, that was long. You You,
0: you, you really (laughs) said.
1: Thank you you for sharing. I'm sorry about that one. You (laughs) never have to apologize for for sharing. (laughs) It's all good. But by the way, you're a complete badass for like karate and and, Muay Thai, was it? Or yeah, you, you're black it's uh, we,
0: I say Muay Thai because it was my teacher was um, one of the first MMA pioneers. So it's really a hybrid style that has a little bit of Aikido, a little bit of Kung Fu, a little bit of Muay Thai. But you can't really say that, and you would never know the name of it. So I just say Muay Thai; it's just easier.
1: Has it, <laughs> like, has I it didn't come in handy for you?
0: No, thank God. Um, but it has definitely given me what is arguably a false sense of confidence. Mm. Um, And I say that because last year I ended up uh, having a really bad fall and sustaining a a pretty significant injury. And for the first time in my life, I couldn't fight or Mm -hmm. run if I needed to. And I was with my son in Los Angeles and we were walking through Santa Monica and Santa Monica, you know, has fallen Apart, California has fallen apart significantly. And you know, in the past, I was like, you know, whatever, I think I can handle it, unless someone's got a gun, in which case, you know, you're done anyway, (laughs) it's over. So, um, but being injured and not being able to fight and not being able to run right, fight and run because that's normally what I was trained to do is like, oh, break a knee, break an ankle, poke them in the eye, and run. I'm going hand to hand combat, I'm five three on my best day. So not being able to do that, I definitely did, felt far less safe than I think I have in my entire adult life.
1: Was what would you, a what would you say, feeling. Jillian, has been your most vulnerable moment in your life?
0: Definitely, definitely, when I fractured my spine last year. Definitely. Like, I couldn't even stand up for, I want to say, six weeks. Goodness I had goodness. to get... Um, and I heard, I fractured my spine and herniated three discs and uh, finally, thank God I was able to get three epidurals. And that's the first time I could stand up in literally a month and a half. I was crawling all around the house. I was, it was crazy. I've never experienced anything like it, but it taught me a lot. You know, I've, I've grown a lot. I've learned a lot. Um, I think I understand people with chronic pain conditions and injuries very differently It'll definitely change the way I work in the future going forward. Um, But yeah, that was, I've never even so much as broken a bone ever. So it was a whole new experience for me.
1: What did it do for you mentally? What did it teach you about mental strength?
0: You know, I wouldn't necessarily say it was mental strength, to be honest. Um, So I had taken a really bad fall, right? In May. And, you know, I fell and you wake up, you're black and blue. You're like, wow, you know, you know, you had a bad fall, but I didn't, I thought fracturing your spine would be like, you couldn't move, right? Mm-hmm. So then for a while, my back was just so locked up, so tight and like, even sitting down, you're like, oh God, ah, oh, can't get comfortable. Mm-hmm. But I just kept thinking like, I'm just so stressed out. I'm moving, I have a lot going on. I'm so stressed out, I'm so stressed out. And I kept thinking like, Oh, it's my psoas, my psoas just locked up and like digging into it, like just trying to kind of open up my back, couldn't do it. Long story short, I end up like twisting, turning, getting these deep tissue, inside, doing all the wrong things because I actually have no idea that I had fractured my spine. So I end up because my back was so torqued, twisting and turning and creating three lumbar herniations. I go to the emergency room and then I find out, right through a CT scan and MRI, what's wrong with me. But it took several weeks for me to get the answers, and I'm thinking to myself, like, "All right, what has happened? How did this occur?" And I felt like everything that was going on in my life had truly, literally broken, broken my back. It was just I'd taken on too much. I was holding on to too much. And, you know, people always tell you that being angry or holding a grudge is like drinking poison and hoping the other person dies. Right. Let it go. And I used to be like, that's cute. You know, I'm not Jesus. Like, sorry. (laughs) How? How do you let that stuff go? What if that person is an asshole? How do you let that go, man? When you feel that all of that you're holding on to literally breaks your back, you learn real quick what matters and what doesn't and how to let things go doesn't mean you need to let your boundaries down does it mean you need to forgive these things but you i let that shit go so fast after years of holding on to things with different family members parents it ended up taking this injury to get me to let go of old, old, old shit from my past. And it was like a million pounds came off of me. So I don't know that it made me tougher. I would actually say that it made me less tough because I couldn't even be tough. I was destroyed. Like, I mean, pain, I can't even describe it to you. Could not move, laying on the floor for day in, day out. And it brought me to such a vulnerable place that I was like, I got to let this shit go because this has destroyed me. And if that's what it took, like I'm sorry to say, I'm a much better person for it and I'm actually a much happier person for it. And I was able to heal a lot of things because of it. Yeah. But I would, I would hate for anyone to have to go through that, but I think we all do go through horrible things and the key is look for the lesson, it's there. Look for the lesson, grow from it, give it a meaning. And in giving it a meaning you can sort of transcend any horrendous setback
1: Mm -hmm. i went through uh thank you for sharing that by the way because it's no easy thing to actually share uh i went through i think it was 2017 so i i had an addiction to exercise and to food unhealthy relationship towards it just didn't have a great idea of proper health and it it landed me in hospital Uh, so i was in hospital for four days And for someone that has an addiction to exercise and being literally flat on your back, not being able to do much in an excruciating agony, uh, like with my, my bow was extremely like, it was just done. Um, not happy. (laughs) So the things that I went through in that four day period was crazy. And then I ended up in hospital for another five days after that, a week, week later. So it was this period of learning, um, what things I needed to really let go. And one of those things was my addiction to exercise and addiction to food, these eating disorders, and really try and get my life back on track. So I completely understand how pain kind of does that for us. It's an amazing, it it's a phenomenal thing. You.
0: Yeah. It forces you. You have two choices. You can become a victim of it. Or you can learn from it and use it as a motivator pain can paralyze and victimize, or it can motivate and inspire growth. So, you know, now they're calling it post-traumatic growth. That's a real thing. But you got to make the choice. And you made the choice. I made the choice. And I would hope anybody listening who's going through anything like what you and I just talked about makes that choice. And I found it to be the only way out because it's like, okay, what can I control? How can I grow? How do I survive this? I've got to learn from it so it doesn't happen again. And I, I I'm so, thank God you learned that at such a young age though, honey, you don't want to learn that shit when you're my age. It's not fun. <laughs> I mean, think of all the years, think of all the decades you're going to save of like really compromising your quality of life in, in one way or another. So I'm, I'm actually so glad to hear that it happened to you, Jan. I'm sorry it happened, but I'm glad it happened to you, Jan.
1: Oh, that's just one thing. Out of the many other things, like I, I've, got, I've had meningitis, uh, which the doctor said there was a 50, 50% chance of the lumbar puncture being a success, of so sticking a massive needle the oh, back God. of my spine, draining my spinal Jesus. fluid. Which I had my mum film, by the way. I thought it was pretty cool. <laughs> so she's there. Oh. Yeah, she's I, I love like, even though I'm going through pain, and I love trying to be all happy and upbeat because I kind kind of don't believe that it it's really happening to me in that moment. So I kind of use humor as a way to back the me. Out the yeah, color.
0: defense mechanism, of course. Yeah. <laughs> because there's probably nothing scarier. I mean, I'm sh- I'll put that right here say there's there's a lot of things that are that scary. And this is right up there with yep. what you're describing. Yeah, that's horrifying.
1: But um, I love how you said that it comes down to a choice because even though the choice itself is really hard to make, when you do make the choice, it is one of the most beneficial choices you can actually make in your life. And whether you make it later on in life, I hope you can make it when you're young because you can save yourself a lot more pain that is self-inflicted. Uh, that's what I've realized, <laughs> at least. And I'm thankful I that I have.
0: <laughs> I know. You know, we we engage in these things because they're providing us something, right? The exercise addiction, the food addiction, it is providing you with something yeah. that matters enough, right? But if it hurts more doing what you're doing, then the pain of letting go of whatever it is it provides you, you'll move. In addition to adding the why, right? The why being the passion for the change. Oh, if I change, you know, if I change it, this is going to improve. Oh, this is my why. If I lose weight, I'm going to look great in my wedding dress. I'm going to meet my great grandchildren. I'm going to get a clean bill of health at the doctor's office. I'm going to look, Feel good in my own skin, whatever it might be. But if that weight is providing you with more, then the why list, it's got to hurt more to keep it on than giving up whatever it was providing. And that's you know when you're literally broken, that is the universe being like, "Are you gonna move now, bitch? How about now?" It's like, "All right, move."
1: You ready yet? (laughs) (laughs) Look
0: at me go. Changing. I'm changing. Brutal. Brutal.
1: How long did it take you to fully recover?
0: About four months. Wow. Um, about four months. I was standing at six weeks, walking at eight weeks. At three months, I was like, okay, all right. You know, I'm standing, I'm walking, I'm functioning. Um but I was really scared to try anything beyond the most obvious safe stuff. Uh, And then it would flare up a little bit. And it was really weird because I would feel like this burning in my knee because it was that one vertebrae where I fractured my L3. So I herniated L3, L4, L4, L5, L5, S1. But L3, L4 was like a Five millimeter herniation and that is the nerve that runs down the front of your quadricep and my knee it would feel like i like my oh my god i feel like my knee was in a vice um and then as it began to become less and less it would feel like i skinned my knee my knee would burn it was the weirdest thing uh and now i am post that diagnosis which was in the beginning of september pretty good shape but extremely careful Mm. extremely careful you know I see these things on Instagram from these athletes that I love to follow and I think to myself like oh my god I would have jumped at the chance to like tried that and now I'm like no (laughs) can't can't risk it no like you can't risk toppling over going down falling whereas like you just don't get the luxury of that mistake anymore so I'm just a bit wiser and my movement quality is very clean and I don't load my spine very heavily. You know, I'm I'm very, very careful now. And there's a fear there that I never had, which is arguably good. I mean, I could have done some more serious damage being as stupid as I used to be. So, you know, who knows, that could be that could be beneficial as well down the road.
1: Did your perspective of what it means to be healthy change because of this experience?
0: No. It gave me a deeper appreciation of what it means to be healthy. Um, you know, for me, health is very quantifiable. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's like, oh, it's, you know, what does health mean to you? I'm like, no, 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 no. What does happiness mean to you? Sure. Beauty is in the eye of Absolutely. How do you define success? hundred percent subjective. Right. Health is quantifiable. You go to the doctor's office and there are numbers. They will tick off of a box. What is your blood pressure? What's your blood sugar? What are your cholesterol numbers? What are your inflammatory markers? There's a reason they do a blood panel to get actual answers. And they know what's safe and they know what isn't safe. Mm. So that is quantifiable. And when that shit is not right, you will know it. You will. You will feel it. You will experience it. And at one point or another, it will cost you in your life. We know what a healthy spine looks like. We know what an unhealthy spine looks like. So to me, it made it, oh God, that much more obvious how the quality of your health dramatically impacts the quality of your life when your health is poor every other aspect of your life is going to suffer your health is the platform you're building your life on top of and it's so wildly important that you take care of it
1: Mm. does it matter so much what a person really looks like
0: now no one cares what a person looks like um you know like I, like I said, I mean, I'm five, three, I have cellulite all over the back of my ass. I had a huge nose that I had fixed. I had crooked teeth that I had fixed. I had shit skin when I was a kid. Fixed that. I mean, I, I'm constantly like, sure. But it, you know what? At the end of the day, I'm going to lose this i Am I going to get old and ugly and die? <laughs> so it doesn't matter. You know, it doesn't matter. Like aesthetics are in the eye of the beholder. I, I get that it matters to you. And that's great. I think it's, self-esteem to a certain extent wanting to take care of yourself and manage your hygiene and look your best feel your best but like I said looks don't matter maybe they matter to you they matter to me like I want to look my best I'm not going to let myself fall into disrepair but that's personal preference yeah so you know what is beauty anyway that is subjective health is quantifiable yeah. and I want good health. I, I wish good health for everybody because why wouldn't you? You know what I mean?
1: Mm. The whole beauty question is a massive, massive question to sort of in a rabbit hole because <laughs> <laughs> it, it, they say beauty is in the eye of the beholder and, and so be it. But the way society has conditioned a lot of young people these days to believe you've got to look a certain way in order to feel a certain way. This is what health really is. You know, it's just it's just changed yeah. so much. So I I, I, love, I love your well,
0: beauty has always been full of shit, though. Think about it. Yeah, it's always been filters. They were just called airbrushing.
1: Yep, Photoshop. Photoshop.
0: Now it's filters, and so many more people have access to them. So before it was like supermodels and A-list actors, and they would get. You know, airbrushed and photoshopped. Now it's everybody on Instagram, um, and so now you think everybody's beautiful but you. <laughs> so it's, it's, just, it's like Whoa, holy shit! You know, it's it's that much more intense. Yeah, um, I imagine that, and and you're much younger in that game, I think as well. Uh, and pop culture has changed so much. Where, you know, you look at young girls who've gotten so much plastic surgery and they're top models. Like, how do you, you know, what do you say? And it's like, I'm guilty. I had a huge nose. I didn't want a huge nose. I fixed it. But then what do you tell a kid who's like, yeah, okay. Well, Bella Hadid is Bella Hadid. And clearly she had a nose job. Mm -hmm. like. Would she be Bella Hadid if she didn't? Are we going to lie to them and say, oh, yeah, Mm. probably not. I wouldn't, I don't, would never have gotten the role on Biggest Loser if I had my old nose. Probably not. So it's, it's tough because, you know, what do you say? It's like, the world is fucked up. It is. And they're not stupid. They know. So it's like, yeah, you know, this is, the world is a very superficial place. You have to decide what's important to you and how far you're willing to compromise. Um, and appreciate that if you do make those changes, inherently, it comes from a place of self-love, not self-loathing. Like we work out because we love our body, not because we hate it. Right. If you, if I want to bleach my teeth and fix my teeth, it's because I love my body, not because I hate it. If that makes any sense. You know, I take care of myself because I love my body. Not because I, and I don't hate my body. I don't at all. And I have a host of imperfections, Mm. tons of them. So it's, it's trying to teach people that change needs to come from self-love, not self-loathing. I think that's really important to begin with.
1: Yeah. I I look after my body for sustainability. I want to live as long as I possibly can. And I think that's exactly I think being a, a certain weight doesn't suit my body type because I've got a myriad of other health concerns and issues that I've got to worry about. And just adding weight on top of that just makes it even worse. So I do what I need to do in order to maintain a healthy, sustainable yeah. weight, which keeps me living this life and I want to live.
0: <laughs> exactly. So that- Disease-free and hopefully pain-free is the goal. Exactly. Keeping people disease-free and pain-free. So they've got a great quality of life for a long quantity of time.
1: Exactly. That's so true. So I wanted to ask you a few more questions, Julian, if that's okay with you. I'm, I'm enjoying this conversation immensely. Um, but talking about this whole self-love aspect of things, what do you love the most about yourself and your story?
0: Good. that's a good question. Um, all right. I think I'm, I'm really going to give myself credit here for something. And who knows? Like My kids might, might beg to differ. <laughs> I think I've done a good job of evolving as a person. I've noticed a lot of people who don't do the work get more unhealthy Mm -hmm. not less unhealthy um you know i had an issue with my 11 year old the other day where she lied to me about homework and i was pissed because she lied to me again and she then writes me this note and i'm thinking the note's going to be like sorry i shit the bed." mom the note is like it's not fair that i have to do homework weekend and you embarrassed me in front of Elena's mom or something, I don't know. And I was like, are you kidding me? Are you kidding? And I'm like, no, 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 no. You marked your little ass in here and you own the fact that you lied to my face and you didn't do your one job, which is your homework, right? The, the next day, I dealt with three adults who handled something horrendously, way worse than the homework, were defensive, blamed me and other people, And I was like, Jesus, I just yelled an 11-year-old for this behavior. And you guys are full-grown adults acting far worse. And I've known for a really long time that if you don't do the work, you get worse, not better. With neglect comes decay. So I feel that I have really in my life done the work, you know, dating me at 25 or even 35 or even 40 for that matter. Very different than dating me at 47. Mm. Um, I'm way more vulnerable, I'm way more honest, I don't play games. Um, I can take responsibility easier than I used to be able to. I constantly have to push myself to like not play the hot, cold, like you chase me game, which is the bullshit I used to do when I was young. And I I think, you know, as a parent, you try to evolve, you try to grow, you try to take responsibility for the areas you screwed up. I think I've done a good job of becoming a better person as I've gotten older with all of those defense mechanisms that really do not serve us. The last really shitty quality was holding on to grudges and (laughs) I'm doing better with that now. Um, so I think that that's probably the thing that I would be like most proud of. I think is the best part of me. Um, and in my story, I mean, I guess you know your kids really are your story. before them, you think to yourself, it is all about you. But then once you have kids, you realize you're just the stepping stone to something greater. Um, and even though you were the main character, you realize how much more significant it is to be that stepping stone and to be like a solid one. So I think the stepping stone part of my story might be the most important at the end of the day. And by the way, with other people too. I mean, don't get me wrong. I also used to be like, ah, I'm going to save lives. You can't save anyone's lives, sweetie. You can't. Yeah. And I realized that it was all about me, right? Like me feeling less helpless and me feeling more powerful. If I could save these people, save lives, make a difference, change the world, get older. And you're like, okay, be the change you want to see in the world, right? you become the Gandhi quote, be the better person, lead by example, uh, be a stepping stone for other people but facilitate them doing the work, right? You catch a fish for somebody, give it to them. Like you fed them for the night, teach them how to fish. You fed them forever. Yeah. That's kind of like, but, but by doing it, you, you actually, if you focus on yourself and you show them, it's okay to focus on yourself and you give them the tools, which by the way is not selfless. It's my business. I make money giving them the tools.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So if I get to play some small part in their journey, then that's like, that's just an awesome plus. You know, so I think that stepping stone piece is really important for me.
1: I like how you mentioned that you can't save anyone. Um, You can try as hard as you want, but I think being like leadership in action, your action will speak so much more louder than your actual words. So yeah, yeah. I mean- Horse to water. Coming from trying.
0: (laughs) Horse to (laughs) water, babe. You can like- Literally, here's all the fresh water in the world and let me walk you right over to it. But you cannot make them drink. No. You can't.
1: You got to choose that months. for
0: themselves. Yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah. If you could go back to a younger version of yourself at any any point in your life and give yourself one piece of advice, what would you give yourself?
0: Oh my God. Be really careful with legal advice. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I think that's good. (laughs) (laughs) The shocks. Holy
0: shit, be so careful with legal advice. Oh my God. It literally, wow. Just like, make sure you're walking through every step of anything you sign. Make sure you've got multiple pairs of eyes on that thing. I mean, listen, oh, you can do it. Yeah, no, fuck that. I'm here and I didn't have to go back in time and tell myself that. Bad legal advice will ruin your life. Not kidding. You gotta be so, so, so careful with that stuff. Because when you, when you sign contracts, a lease, a car payment, a student loan, man, you need to know what you are signing. Yeah. And as your business grows, <clears throat> that, that stuff becomes very real very quick. Yeah. Be very careful with that shit. Make sure you know every single thing that you put your name on and that you commit to inside and out.
1: Good advice. Cause the lawyers at the end of the day, they will win and you lose. You lose. <laughs> so yeah. just, they always win and you're just like, damn it. <laughs> yeah, so that's good yeah. advice. Julian, two final quick questions. If you don't mind. Uh, yes. Where can people find you, connect with you, by the way? I believe you've got a, a fitness app that you want to draw people to if they want to be um, part of it as well. We do.
0: We do. We, uh, I say we because my, my company runs it. It's called The Fitness App, and it's uh, a one-stop shop for customized fitness, customized nutrition, meditation, sleep support, community forums, and coaching. Um, myself and other experts as well. Uh, and It's available everywhere any many app store you can use it on your tv your tablet your phone your watch all different kinds of workouts as i said personalized programs um but you know look there are free daily seven minute workouts if you don't have the money download it and use those um and there's also i have a little facebook group that is just a little private group it's called the jillian michaels community it's totally it's free you know you can connect with me on anywhere podcasts print books social, but in there, it's still so small. It's like 52,000 people that I can, I try to go in there every day and spend at least 10 minutes just looking for questions I can answer here and there or commenting. And there's other people that are super supportive that also know the answers to a lot of these questions because they've read my books or whatever. Um, So it's just, it's like a Facebook group that you can go to for free. And of course, yeah, sure. Would I love you to get the app? Of course. Try it for free. See if you like it. Awesome. But if you don't have 89 bucks a year, download it for free. Use the free workouts. Take my books out at the library and try the Facebook group if you have a question for me.
1: well. You're not hard to find at all. And I was checking checking out your, your fitness app and I have to say, I don't use fitness apps, but I think it was pretty cool. Like the, the whole way you've designed it, laid it out. It was cool. So if you are interested in that sort of thing, go and check it out. I, I recommend it if that means something. <laughs>
0: <It> definitely does. <laughs> Absolutely. Done. It's your show. It's
1: <laughs> so, um, Jillian, this is my, my final question for you. It's my all time favorite question. I love asking all my guests at the very end. Um, it's a hypothetical one, but I want you to imagine with me for a moment that you've been able to reach the age of 100 All your friends and your family have decided to put together a film for you of everything you've ever said and everything you've ever done. I know, don't worry. We'll call it magic for the sake of an argument, but they've been able to get it and show it to you on your 100th birthday. What do you want that film to say and to show about your life?
0: Oh, I want to be funny and I want to be wise. Um... And I want to see my relationships with the people I love. I want to know that um, I was connected uh, and I worked on those relationships because they were the most important things. I think that's the key to me is like friends and family. I want to see that connection. I better be funny. And I want to see wisdom for sure. I want to be like, God damn, I was smart. (laughs) Look at how wise I was.
1: I think that's Beyond a great send-off yeah. send message. Well, I have no doubt, like, from what I've heard you talk about today, that that film will definitely have a ton of wisdom. You've poured a ton of wisdom out today, and it's only been almost an hour. So I am so grateful for your time, Jillian, and all the work that you are doing in the world. I believe I'll tell you a quick story before we officially wrap things up. I walked into uh, my local Dimmicks, and then before I was before there was Dimmicks in this particular shop, it was called Borders. And I saw your book on display when I was a little kid and I'm like, damn, (laughs) I never thought that one day I would actually be connecting with Jillian Michaels over Zoom and here we are. (laughs) So I thought I'd share that that quick story uh, with you. But thank you so much, Jillian, for your time and for joining me today on the Storybox podcast.
0: Oh, it was an absolute pleasure. I really appreciate it. And, um, and and I'm so excited I got to talk to you even though you saw that book cover probably <laughs> 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 and you didn't forget me see you didn't forget me there
1: you go I really don't like this part because it means that sadly we have come to an end of yet another story I just want to say thank you to all of you for tuning in and listening to our guest today